Swaggo and Perk, a new ESPN-led podcast by its namesake host, NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears, that's Swaggo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, that's uh, Perk. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as look inside their lives and career journey. But can't miss conversations as they welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from, are you in Philadelphia? Where are you, Tim Bontemps? <laughs> I'm sitting, uh, sitting in a hotel in New York City, looking York City. at Madison Square Garden. You keep going back and forth between Philadelphia and New York. I can't keep track, to be honest with you. <laughs> Neither can I. Joining us from Los Angeles, where I am right now as well, is Dave McMenamin. How are you going, Dave? Uh, it's going great. Happy to be so Dave, here with you, too. So, Dave, five years ago this week, you were in Washington, D.C. as the Cleveland Cavaliers visited the White House uh, after winning the championship in 2016. That was the last time a NBA team visited the White House. Uh, we're not going to get into that until this week when the Milwaukee Bucks were there and our own Tim Bontemps um, was going to, to the White House to cover the Bucks uh, being honored there. But let me tell you something, Dave. Um, this was a big day for Tim. You know, I, I don't think he's been to the White House to cover something before. You know, he got to do not. really he really got to do an awesome stand up. Uh, Shout out to Jim Wataka, producer. Did a great job. Made me look he good somehow. To, he, he was able to do like this video package. And then with the White House in the background, he was able to say at the White House, Tim Bontemps, ESPN. Like he was a really I mean, like no, no BS. Like that's a great I, career day. I no question. It. I thought career was, highlight. How? What people didn't know is I was playing hurt, doing my hit, holding the microphone with an injured wrist. How did that happen? Tough life. Well, I was walking up to the gatehouse to go in the White House, and my feet went out from under me like a cartoon, and I landed with uh, all my weight on my right hand, which was not ideal. Uh, but fortunately, uh, my wrist is all right. I will be fine. You know, a couple painful days, say, and I'll be good. He's passing through this story very quickly, David. I mean, that's he's literally not... the story. It's not, there's, I'm not trying to make it any less in, uh, of an embarrassing moment that it was. It was a cartoonish no, fall. We're going to make it more embarrassing. <laughs> uh, Dave, so like, look, I mean, we all, you know, you know, he's going to the White House. He wants to be on time and everything. You know, look, I, I was like, oh man, did you like trip over the curb? Because I could see that, you know, because it's a closed street. Pennsylvania Avenue is closed. You could have like been walking from the streets of the curb. I could totally see it. No. Hey, did you trip on like the, a crack, like a seam, uh, like a seam in the concrete. Like we've all done that, you know, yeah, we well, I, again, we like behind. I said, my feet went out from under me and it was a cartoonish fall. It was like, it was like watching a cartoon where the person like goes flipping up in the air. It's it it nothing else I could say about it. It was a beautiful day. It wasn't wet. It was nothing. I just fell in my hand. Not ideal. What are you shushing me for? Dave, here's the thing. Tim has these beautiful new Italian loafers. That well, cost not, they're not, God well, they're not. They're also not loafers. They're shoes my wife bought me. They're nice shoes. These beautiful new Italian leather shoes, Dave. And he was wearing them to the White House. I mean, this is a great. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just. You're going to. Uh, you're going to be on my. You're going to be on my wife's uh, naughty list if you're making fun of her for buying these shoes now. In the pocket, I am so. not. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. <laughs> but you know, like if you were to put me into into a Ferrari, Dave. I would crash that sucker. I would drive that thing right into the, I wouldn't even get 20 miles an hour. And our guy on his big day, I'm so, I feel I'm glad, so we're, I'm glad we're spending five minutes on, on the pod talking about <laughs> oh, having a spring. If we spent 10, <laughs> I just keep picturing the scene in home alone where Joe Pesci's character is going. That's pretty up much what it, it's pretty much what it was. Legs just go completely out in front of him. That's that was legitimately what it was on his back. Yeah, like, that's legitimately what like, it was. I'm still not even like sure a, how it happened. He was—he could not move his hand. He could not type. He was totally out, limping through this White House. It was—it was, it was painful. So bad. 
I'm laughing, but I promise I felt bad. I felt, uh, you so, felt bad. so bad. Yes. I felt I so bad about it. Yes. Tim, we probably right. shouldn't tell you that Brian and I both uh, got had a meeting of the minds. We're like, do we know anyone who works at the White House who potentially could get a hold of the security video so we can? Oh, see I've, I've had several. I've had many people ask me, "Is there footage of this?" And I said, "There undoubtedly is. I just you're not going to be able to get it because it's under national security issues." Someday it will be uh, declassified. Someday, someday it'll someday. show up. <laughs> um, all right. So, Dave, you were at the Laker Heat game last night uh, here at LA Staples. Uh, a really uh, good win for the Lakers uh, that they won in overtime. They've won two overtime games this week. Um, I have to say, like, it is uh, heart racing, uh, agonizing, maddening. What is it like? Like, How would you describe watching the Lakers right now? Because LeBron is out and they've got all these other guys out. And so they're kind of limping through. So every win is a good win. But it's like tearing your hair out watching these games and particularly with Russ at the controls, watching these games, doing good things and bad things. And like this unbelievable symphony. Yeah. The team has been as, as, as inconsistent as Russell Westbrook's play overall. And that isn't to say that Russ has been, been terrible and it's not to say the Lakers have been terrible. There've been moments where it's okay. This thing is making sense. They are taking long defensive rebounds. They are taking, steals and deflections they're playing two-on-one three-on-two basketball playing instinctual uh, Russell Westbrook getting into the paint spraying it out to shooters last night they hit 18 threes and you know we all have given a lot of attention to what Carmelo Anthony's doing from three-point land this season but you saw Malik Monk getting into it you saw Avery Bradley getting into it and, and stepping into wide open in rhythm shots that are created through the penetration and angles that Russell Westbrook is able to do that all looks great. But then you see these lapses, uh, particularly on the defensive end, or many of them are caused by turnovers by Russell Westbrook that puts the Lakers in bad situations where it's the opposing team running at them three on two, two on one, and that can snowball. And so it hasn't been the, the prettiest of basketball right now, but listen, they are missing like five rotation players right now. They right. had nine active players uh, for the game last night. Right. Uh, that's tough for any team and any team built around a star like LeBron James, you know, LeBron's missed half the season. <laughs> like <laughs> he hasn't been in there for them. He's missed uh, six out of 12 games so far. And so you had to look at that and say, the fact that they're keeping their head above water, the fact that they haven't kind of pulled apart when it, there's been some moments where it looked like it could, that Portland loss in particular, I think you just say credit for keeping this thing to, together right now. Uh, and the jury is still out of what this team's actually going to look like. Right. So, you know, I, you know, I've said here a bunch of times, I'm not evaluating them until at least Christmas, but I do think it's interesting, Bon Temps, the Wizards are doing great. And last night in Cleveland, uh, they got a good win. Not only a good win because the Cavs have won four in a row, but a good win because Bradley Beal was playing with a very heavy heart. His grandmother had passed away. I don't even know if he should have played. He was terrible. He shot four of 19. They're down like four or five points in the last 30 seconds. Come back and win. And you look at the Wizards, who are eight and three, and the, the, the guys that the Lakers traded are just doing awesome. Kuzma hit the game winner last night. Montrez Harrell looks like the guy he was as a sixth man of the year. Might be uh, the sixth man of the year this year again. Yeah, he's, He had 24 and 11, I think, last night. Um, and then you look over at Chicago, who got a really nice win last night over the Mavericks. And Alex Caruso, a guy that the Lakers uh, dealt with in an interesting way, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, Caruso comes off the bench for 16 points has six steals in the game. He's leading the NBA in steals uh, per game. Uh, the Bulls are way better defensively than we thought they would be. Uh, top, I think, 12 or even – I haven't put the numbers updated from last night, but they were like top 12. They were like 12 a couple of days ago. Um, and Caruso looks terrific. And earlier this week on J.J. Reddick's podcast, Caruso talked about how the Lakers basically – I mean, you could say they lowballed him, but – their their reluctance to raise their offer after hearing they just the flat out offer they just flat they just out chose goodbye. not to sign him yes yeah they, they just flat out chose like, not to sign him. 
people were focusing on the fact that he said their offer was like less than two years and 15 million, but it really doesn't matter what their offer was because they weren't bidding for him. They just said goodbye. And so as we go forward here, you know, the season for the Lakers is going to come down to, did they make the right choice? Did going with Russell, because really they had three choices, right? They, they could have stayed status quo generally. I mean, maybe they could have added a player or two via free agency. Maybe they would have gotten Trevor Ariza, Maybe they would have gotten Malik Monk via free agency or Kendrick Nunn. Um, but, but they could have stayed status quo. They could have did what they did, which is they put all of their chips in for Russell Westbrook and signed a bunch of minimum players. Or they could have gone sort of the path in between that, which was trade sort of half of those assets for Buddy Heald, then save the other players. And because you're paying Buddy Heald so much less money than you are Westbrook, you could have maybe re-signed Caruso. So it's going to be real interesting. Like they had a, a fork in the road and LeBron and AD said, we're going down the Westbrook path. And so I get why they did it, but, but Bontemps, this is going to be the crux of the season and watching how these guys are performing with the wizards. It's like, it's really an interesting situation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating series of choices. And I think you can actually go back to last year at the trade deadline when the Lakers decided basically to keep Taylor Horton Tucker instead of getting Kyle Lowry. And I think you can go all the way back to that moment. That was the first fork in the road, right? Personally, if I was the Lakers, I would have traded for Kyle Lowry last year. And I think even with the injuries they had, they might have still made a deeper run in the playoffs. They might have won another championship if they made that trade. But they chose not to. Obviously, things went the way they did. Then we get to the offseason. I, have, everyone knows who listens to the pod, I would not have made the Russell Westbrook trade. thought it was a terrible trade at the time uh, because I don't, I think Westbrook's a terrible fit with LeBron and I don't, I didn't really understand why you put all your assets into getting him. But to your point, when LeBron James and Anthony Davis say, we want to do this, they're the stars of your team. You go do it. I understand why they did that, but it does set up this situation where they're, you know, like Dave said, the Lakers are playing with a ton of guys down. And it's to the point where now when they lose Austin Reeves, who has been a really nice find for them, <laughs> I know it's a, it's I know. a significant, it's a devastating blow. It's a significant blow. And that's, yeah. a, that yeah. is, that's both a credit to the way Austin Reeves has played. And it was a really nice find by the Lakers to get him. And also a sign of how desperate they are for bodies at this point, because of the lack of depth that they have across the roster. And, right. you know, to, to go back to the Alex Caruso point, the Lakers print money. They have a massive deal with Spectrum. They sell out that arena all the time. Um, they, they did not pay the tax for several years when they were not good. They, they have plenty of money to pay Alex Caruso. And they are basically in the same payroll situation this year as the Milwaukee Bucks, who I know their owner, Mark Lazar, has plenty of money, but at the same time, they're the Milwaukee Bucks. And if you're the Lakers and you can choose to keep Alex Caruso, who is a hell of a player, and we'll talk about the Bulls later in the pod, but the Bulls have been an incredible story, and I was definitely wrong about their level this year. They've been awesome to start the year. I had a great win last night against Dallas after beating Brooklyn two nights before. Um, Alex Caruso would look great on this Lakers team. And whatever you want to say about the Westbrook trade, they just flat out chose not to keep Alex Caruso. And he would be exactly the kind of perimeter defender and, and you know ball hawk on the perimeter that this team really needs. So, yeah, this is something we're going to be following all season long to see where it ends up. And if I was a Laker fan, I frankly would be mad, especially about the Caruso part. Because again, you can you can argue whether the Westbrook thing was going to work or not. I don't like it. But the Caruso thing just comes down to the team decided not to spend the money. And if I was a fan of the Lakers, I'd be going, we shouldn't be having money problems and we can't be losing good well, quality rotation players money for money. Problems. They don't, I mean, they're paying. Well, I'm not saying they have money them. problems. My point is you should not be losing a player like Alex Caruso over money, in my opinion. And they that's are, clearly why are, he's not there. Right. They are paying into the tax. It's not like they are not spending, but Dave, like I do, you know, it, it, there's a new, there's a nuance here because the Lakers are, are the richest team in the, well, I don't think they're richer than golden state. Now I think golden state has surpassed them. Uh, but they're certainly one of the, the richest teams in sports in terms of incoming money, but they don't have unlimited resources like a team like the Clippers who play in the same building. Yeah. Okay. So I, I need to almost give a soliloquy here because Tim just kept backing up points and points and points without taking a second to breathe for me to interject. <laughs> I'm now in the position to defend the Lakers thinking, and it's not that I'm carrying water. I can just rationalize the way they approach this offseason. And so let's start with the Talon Horton Tucker piece with Kyle Lowry. First of all, Tim, you said 
the Lakers could have won the championship with Kyle Lowry last year. They're not winning the championship if I mean if Kyle Lowry could fix Anthony Davis's groin injury and and heal LeBron's uh, ankle, sure, but that's not what he's going to bring to the table. So that's a moot point. Uh, they chose Talon Horker, Talon Horton Tucker in that moment. They chose Talon Horton Tucker again in the offseason where they decided they were going to pay one of their two young rising guards. Uh, they chose to pay Talon over Alex Caruso. I'm not saying that's the right decision. That was their thinking. And in place of Alex Caruso, uh, they, you know, they made the Russell Westbrook deal. And we don't know ultimately how that's going to be yay or nay, but it allowed them to attract certain type of players who took less than their market value because they wanted to be on a team with Russell and LeBron and AD. And so you get mellow at a minimum. You get uh, Kent Bazemore uh, at a minimum uh, when he had a larger deal uh, on the table from Golden State. You get uh, Kendrick Nunn below market value. You get Malik Monk below market value. Uh, you know, so now you have these players that you can reasonably say, I, we were able to make up for the absence of Alice Caruso without having to pay whatever the premium would be on the luxury tax by re-signing him. They're already paying about $46 million in luxury tax this season, which is the fourth most in the league, according to Spotrack.com. Uh, if they were to pay Caruso the number that the Bulls paid him, uh, I don't have the Bobby Marks calculator in my head, but let's just throw another conservative estimate. I think it would have been another, I think it would have been somewhere around 30 million total between salary and payroll. I think. Okay. So, so let's, let's say the luxury tax portion of it is another 10 million. Uh, They figure they can save that money uh, and make up in the margins around Caruso. Now Caruso is a very good player on Brian, on your podcast years ago, I was mocked for saying he was the second most athletic player on the Lakers beyond LeBron. (laughs) I, lo- I, I love that you said it. I didn't mock you, but maybe other people did. I don't well, know. The, the internet had some fun with it, but he's, he's really talented and he's doing a lot. He's like almost a 50, 40, 90 By the way, right now for a, the Bulls. As a, real quick, uh, it would have cost them an extra $28 million, There you go. Uh, in, the, in the luxury tax. Right. Um, so $28 million plus the salary, which I think is about 8.6. Yeah, it was, it was somewhere, somewhere in the low to mid-30s. Right. So, okay, so Alex Caruso, very good player, but like Let's be real here. Do they need to pay a $28 million premium in order to get his services? Or can you work around the margins? Uh, and, and even let's bring up Austin Reeves again. Like He's been a find. And they get him at the rookie undrafted minimum salary. Uh, and he's a guy who can help them. So like, I don't think... I think right now this is something that being talked about because Russell hasn't looked that good because the bulls are eight and three because the wizards are eight and three. And it's like convenient to be like, Oh, well, look at those players. The Lakers got rid of. It wasn't the right. Well, it's, I mean, so, it's, I mean, I mean, to be fair, it's being talked about because Alex Caruso has been great and the Lakers could use Alex Caruso and they chose not to pay him. Like again, like, yeah, they chose so, not so, to pay so, the premium, so but being it's the just literally is Alex Caruso worth $40 million. I, if, if I'm a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers, I think it's unacceptable that they're not retaining a good NBA player because of money. That's just my, if I'm a fan of the team, that's my opinion. So I think as the moderator here, I think both of you guys make really good points, but I think, you know, here's the thing. The Lakers are a revenue rich, but overall poor team. Poor is the wrong word. That doesn't, but like comparatively to the other owners. Yes. 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 Um, and it was, it was really interesting uh, a couple of years ago when the bus family got into an unfortunate interfamily battle for control of the Lakers. And uh, I don't remember if it was Jim that sued Jeannie or Jeannie that sued Jim. But when they, when they did the lawsuit, um, the family covenant, the covenant and, and the, the Lakers trust like spilled out online and was there for everybody to read. And I read it. And, you know, the thing is, you know, the, the buses don't own the entire team. They own, um, somewhere in the 70% range, I believe maybe it's 65 to 70% of the team. Yeah, AG, owns, so, AG owns about a third and then Patrick Soon Chiong owns about 5%. 7%, I think, but yeah, roughly. Okay. okay. Right. So, um, so let's just say you have a million dollars of profit at the end of the day. Um, you know, cause the Lakers are a very profitable team, but let's say for every million dollars of profit, after you've paid all of your salaries, after you've paid all of your taxes, after you've paid all of your workers, everything like that. Let's say you're holding a million dollars in profit. Okay, 30% of that goes to the other owners, uh, or you know, 35% or whatever it is. 
Now they're holding 60 cents. There are six bus children and they're all equal owners. So, and you know, their, their, and their income is the Lakers, you know, you know, you talked about Mark Lazary, um, who owns the bucks. One of the owners of the bucks, he is a billionaire hedge fund. guy. He's got, he's got plenty of money. That's true. Right. Steve Ballmer is worth over, depending on where Microsoft's share prices is worth over a hundred billion dollars on any day. When the Lakers spend an additional $40 million on a player, Yes, they have the revenue to do so. Comparatively, you look at the revenue of the Lakers and the revenue of the Bucks, but that's actual physical money that comes out of Genie Bus's salary. <laughs> you know, Genie Bus's uh, take and Jim Bus, all the buses, their take at the end of the season gets reduced. It, it's not like that for the other teams. So it's a. This is not a new problem. This was the case when Jerry Bus was the owner. Um, you know, it's not a problem. Again, it's not a problem. It's just a reality. So like what you say, Bontemps is, is accurate. Well, that's why I framed it. That's why I framed it the way I did. If I was a fan of the team, I would not find this acceptable. I understand what you guys are saying. Rational person who didn't take in, uh, consider all context. You would think that way. Yes. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not going to sit here. I personally am not going to sit here and say the Lakers should get off for being cheap. And I think that if you're looking at this in the context of the other teams in the league, the amount of money that the Lakers take in. Now, look, all, every point you made is fair about the looking at looking at it on the balance sheet. Right. I can under, I understand the thought process they made. But if you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis and you have a limited window to win a championship. I think letting Alex Caruso walk over money was a mistake. For instance, I would not have paid Kendrick Nunn if it was a choice between Kendrick Nunn for five and Alex Caruso for eight, Alex Caruso is a flat out better player than Kendrick Nunn. It's not to me, it's not particularly close. And so like, again, that's just another choice where like they chose not to keep Alex Caruso. That was just a clear choice that they made. Maybe it will work out fine. Maybe they'll win the championship. Maybe it'll all be good. But if it was me and I was looking at this team and like you said, Dave, you were full credit to you. You were on him before just about anybody else. He's a really good player who with this team, with its lack of defensive players on the perimeter, especially would have been an awesome fit. And it's just something I think we're going to watch all year to see if it works out because that's a clear deficiency this team has. And he would be an ideal fit to play with this group. You can now stream the most MLB games on direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes. Catch the clutch hit strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa birds, old timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on direct TV. That means direct TV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes. Stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. I mean, they yeah, offered so- him about, let's just say, the neighborhood of $7 million a year. He ended up getting around $10 million a year from he, Chicago. Yeah, he got, he got four in um, 37 or something like that. And, yeah. and a, a, a decent chunk of that contract is not guaranteed. It's about, I think it's $30 million guaranteed. Okay. And so, you, I mean, I, I, I see your point, Tim. Like it, but it wasn't like they just expressed zero interest in Alex Caruso. They, they had a number where it made sense to them, and then they had a number where it didn't make sense to them. And, you know, listen, Alex Caruso and uh, his agent, they did what they were supposed to do, uh, especially for someone with that type of path coming into the league. Uh, you every player wants to win, but you want to get that generational wealth and get that long-term guaranteed money and secure it, and then you can go back to trying to winning again. Right. And they were able to like actually do both, and he's on a very competitive team where he's. Right. And, and I think, and I think, if you like had like a whiteboard 
and you had like a general manager uh, type in here, um, uh, you know, they could say, well, look, if you had gone with Buddy Heald, which we know that Rob Palenka liked Buddy Heald, he liked him so much that he represented him as yep. an agent before yep. he become the Lakers. Um, and you saw that was the kind of three-point shooting you needed, and they would have retained their first round. I think they would have. What was the deal? It was Kuzma and... It was Harold and, it was Harold and Kuzma for Buddy, right, Dave? Okay. That's so, what yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. So they would have they would have kept KCP. They would have kept their first round pick. Um, they would have still had those things either to 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 play KCP or to trade them, and you know, and then maybe you could sign and trade Caruso to or Chicago. just keep him, right? Or you could sign and trade Caruso to Chicago, and you may have had to toss in a second round pick to make that happen. Um, and then you would have had a trade exception of eight and a half million dollars with your first round pick and. Kentavious Caldwell Pope. And then as you went through the season, you would have had, you know, but, but again, that's like, again, that's with a whiteboard and another option. I think at the end of the day, the bottom line, there are two things that are just true. One is you got to go with LeBron. Even if you don't think, you know, even if I can sit here and we can go on for an hour about sure. how Westbrook sure. just doesn't think he fits, you got to go with LeBron. If LeBron says this is what he wants. And I know they're thinking, their thinking is we need another big time player. At the end of the games, you need a big time player to do it. I trust in this guy. This is what I want. You got to go with LeBron and, and you got to go with the budget that the owner sets down. And Rob Palinka is sitting there in his office with the budget on one hand and with LeBron's demands on the other. And he did what he, he did what he had to do. And on top of and, that, Brian, listen, I'm not saying LeBron was planning on getting injured, but the reality is that two of the last three seasons coming into this one, he suffered a major injury right now he's missed half the games and having someone like Russell Westbrook with all his flaws and all his warts is more of an engine for your team in LeBron's absence than someone like Buddy Heald would be. And I, I really like Buddy Heald's game. And I think if every part was healthy and in there, I actually, I think I like the Buddy Heald version of the Lakers more, but the LeBron Lakers benefit more from having Russell Westbrook than they would by having Buddy Heald. Right, but if you don't have LeBron, it doesn't matter who you're also on your team. Like if you we don't all have LeBron, agree on that. Team. Sure, but you got to get through 82 games, Brian. Right. That's the okay. point. All right. Um, so the Lakers remain fascinating. One thing I will say, um, I thought that they got some defensive stops against the Heat, and the Heat were limited in this game because of um, because Jimmy Butler got hurt in the first half and then didn't play the second half. By the way, as a quick aside, Jimmy got into his clothes and came out and sat on the bench with the injury uh, in the second half, which I kind of liked. I didn't like that he was wearing a hat because I continue to be a curmudgeon <laughs> about, um, about dressing on the sideline. But um, uh, I, I don't remember seeing that before where a guy who was injured, like got like, cause you know, sometimes in the NFL you see, or in football, you see like a guy comes out and he's wearing the, you know, the boot or he's on crutches. You're like, Oh man, he's done. You don't see that in the NBA. Jimmy came out and sat on the bench. Yeah, it's a anyway, rarity. Did, Absolutely, it's a rarity. They, they didn't have Jimmy. And so this is the thing about the Heat. They're awesome defensively. They, they're being allowed to play physical this year, but they're, they're suspect. And even it was a good, it was a good Tyler Hero game. Uh, when Tyler Hero was off. A very good he, Tyler Hero game. When we were yeah. talking about six man earlier, like you had a couple of the candidates for the award last night in Hero. Melo didn't have his best game, but he's been playing really well. By the Hero way, it kind of sounds like Melo wouldn't mind getting getting some starts in this little interim period, but uh, I think they should keep him in the role he's in. But did, am I wrong, Dave? It, it no, you're, 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 my, like, you're right. You know, Frank kind of couched it by crediting Melo and crediting the Lakers crowd saying like, man, they get so excited when I'm checking him in off the bench that I don't want to mess up with that mojo. So like, sorry, we got to keep him here. And when we told Melo that he's like, Oh yeah, Frank said that. That's what Frank said. (laughs) But it was kind of like, uh, you know, listen, I have to still boast a little bit, pump my chest out because I'm Carmelo Anthony and I don't want to have anyone to have any iota of a, thought that I am not viewing myself still as the guy who can get it done with a bigger right. role, but, but I am right. certainly still on board with this role. Yeah. Well, and listen, okay. he's not going to shoot 50% all year from three. I mean, that's certainly going to come down, but I think in he's this shooting stretch, 60%. Right. Well, it's, I, I just looked it up. It is 50, but when you, okay. when you look at this stretch that the Lakers are in where they're struggling to win, I mean, frankly, they've had three, three or four toss up games that they managed to win, including all three overtime games, like him shooting like this early in the year, 
you know, when you talk about banking wins for later, like the wins all count. And he's, he's been a massive piece for them. So him say, playing off the bench they, like that's been really good, really important, critical piece so far. They were able to get stops in that game, both in the fourth quarter and overtime. And to me, the Lakers were a championship team because of their defense. Even last year, they were a highly ranked team when LeBron and AD were healthy because of their defense. And I was worried about their defense and their defense started off poorly this year and they're showing some signs that they're defending better. So that's an, I think that's one of the most important takeaways of this game. But yeah, by but the way, a couple of the charges I, I, they took late were really impressive. Like absolutely. You give up your body to Bam out the bios. Like, I mean, that's, that's serious. Yeah. And Bam and Bam fouled out, which was a vital part of that game. But by the way, n- no BS. I respect both of your guys' viewpoints on the Lakers situation. That's why we have you on here. That's, because that's why they're, that's why they're, that's why they're a fascinating team. I mean, truly, I mean, it's, it's not, there's, it's no certainty one side or the other is going to be right on it. It's, but it's like, that's what makes, that is what makes them such an interesting team this year. They had clear options and they chose one and, you know, we'll see where it ends up. Like, like in a vacuum. And here's where I'm on in a vacuum. I want Alice Caruso on my team. Like, of course. Uh, but I understand it. And just one more thing on Tyler Hero. I know our colleague Zach Lowe likes to make, you know, all various types of Luke Walton all-stars, you know, the things that you see in the game and, and you classify it a certain way. We need a list of the guys who jump the highest on their jump shot before releasing it. Because Tyler Ray, Hero the, is... The Ray Allen. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero is getting so much lift. Like, he could be jumping high enough to dunk the ball out from three. Uh, on his jump shot. It's really impressive. And, it, you know, for someone his size, it gives him an advantage to get that shot off. So this is a, a thing that the, the Heat like to tell this story internally. It's, it's one of my favorite Tyler Hero stories. Um, and it's that during his rookie season, uh, they're playing a game on the road somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Uh, and they're down two, and Hero has the ball in a breakaway in the final seconds. And, or he gets the ball, and instead of taking like an 18-footer to go for the tie, he dribbles backwards and shoots a three and hits the three and wins the game. One of the great mo- early moments of his, of his rookie season. And after the game, they ask him, Tyler, the media says, Tyler, were you worried about the repercussions of going back and taking that three, you know, when you could have had the shorter shot to tie? And Tyler says, no, I wasn't worried about it. But then again, I don't know what repercussions means. <laughs> so that McMahon is. McMahon wouldn't know either. Shout out yeah, to McMahon, no. who's not on the pod By the today. Way, That's his word yeah, of the day. McMahon, McMahon's off this week. He's been banned from the pod for one week uh, for reasons that will stay. Uh, no, I'm not even going to joke. He's just off this week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if McMahon knows repercussions. But I just absolutely it, not. Hero. Zero chance. That's, Zero chance. <laughs> McMahon is a guy who has operated his life like a man who doesn't know repercussions are. Yes, so that's I right. I guess not. That's right. Um, all right. So you, we mentioned the Bulls a little bit earlier. Um, their, their schedule early on was soft. Um, they suffered uh, an injury to Patrick Williams, season-ending injury to Patrick Williams, one of their, uh, you know, good size, versatile defensive players. Um, but that has not slowed them down. And as their schedule's tough, and they did lose to the 76ers last weekend and, uh, and beat had a great game in that game. Um, and from apparently with COVID coming on, still had a great game in that game. And uh, but they've come back this week, as you mentioned, Bon Temps with wins over the Nets and uh, last night over the Mavericks. Um, DeMar DeRozan is just having a brilliant season. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, last year, I think the Bulls, well, you know, the Bulls really well, uh, Bon Temps, but I think the Heat, uh, Billy Donovan, not the Heat, but Billy Donovan and the Bulls really studied some of the sets that DeMar DeRozan succeeded in in San Antonio. Yep. and tried to bring some of that and they've put him positions to be successful and he's totally punted. I mean, he did this in San Antonio, but he's totally punted on the three point shot and he's just being King mid range and he's just devastating. Zach Levine, obviously he's playing at a high level. Um, Lonzo ball is playing excellent. He threw a pass last night that, you know, Dave and I have seen LeBron do some things with the ball, uh, especially on passes uh, this was a LeBron James level pass. He, he, he got it out. He, he got the ball in the backcourt and threw a line drive laser that was about five feet off the ground. He looked like um, uh, who's a great outfielder. I don't even I don't follow baseball. It looked like Vlad, uh, Vlad Guerrero is the, the one I always yeah. think of. 
Yeah. He's like, a, little, uh, a little older reference, but he had a missile or Ichiro. Yeah. Uh, who was the Dodger that uh, the Cuban guy from last? Time oh, Yasiel down? Puig. Yes. Yeah. Yasiel Puig also. Uh, had a cannon. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, who Puig could like, you know, knock the third baseman over from right field. That's what Lonzo Ball did. He threw a baseball pass. Uh, like I could go on and on like a, you know, like a cannon arm to Zach Levine through traffic diagonal. Levine caught it in stride, like Rob Gronkowski going down the seam and did a like a, I wasn't supposed to 360, but did a 360 dunk, then immediately got attacked for yelling at the ref about not calling a foul on him before. It was an amazing, <laughs> amazing sequence. Um, you should look up the look up the highlight. Um, so I've ranted here, but the Bulls look good, Bontemps. Yeah, I mean, look, I was critical of what the Bulls did this offseason, and the Bulls fans have been coming at my neck, which is fair because they've been awesome. But the thing that they that's sort of been lost in the shuffle is like, I liked getting DeMar DeRozan on their team in a vacuum. I did not like the price that they paid for DeMar DeRozan and how, and both in contract and in assets, but DeMar's a really good player. And I thought, I thought the offensive fit with him and Zach Levine doing the scoring and Lonzo ball, a terrific off ball. Uh, he's become a good off ball shooter and he's a really good defender who fits with those guys. I really like that mix. The thing I was concerned about was their ability to guard people. And you mentioned where they're at in the league. They currently are sixth in the NBA in defensive rating, 103.3. Um, they got a 7.2 net rating. They've been awesome so far. You mentioned the early, the early soft schedule. They went 4-0, and and then they had a 12-game stretch against playoff teams. Dave will see them next week in L.A. They're on a West Coast swing, but so far they're 4-3 and in that stretch. And I thought if they went 6-6 six and six or better in that stretch, then I'd you know really buy the start that they've had. And they've been, they've been awfully good. And, and you know, to our point, to our conversation earlier about Caruso, the thing that's really been huge for them is down the stretch of games, even before Patrick Williams got hurt, Billy Donovan was playing small and having Lonzo Ball and Caruso in the backcourt with Zach Levine playing DeMar at the four and then playing Nick Vucevic at center. And that team has managed to get stops and been good at the end of games. And you guys both know, you know, DeMar, you know, sometimes gets criticized for his lack of three-point shooting. He's actually shooting over two attempts from ga- a game from three this year, shooting 35%, which is way more both in attempts and percentage than he shot at any point in the past several years. Um, and he is just a foul-drawing machine, even with these new rules, which has boosted up the, bill- the Bulls' free-throw shooting, which last year they never got to the line at all. So he has been everything they wanted. Um, Zach Levine is still really good. Their defense is better than expected. And, you know, frankly, I actually think while... Obviously, in the short term, uh, or I should say the long term, losing Patrick Williams is a big blow because he was the number four over pick last year, and they're hoping he develops into a really good player. I think in the short term, they might actually secretly be a little better off because the guys they have playing in his place, like Alex Russo today, is just a better player than Patrick Williams. And I think for this season, it, it may actually end up getting them some more victories, even though obviously long term, it's a big blow. But yeah, they've been off to a great start, and they've been fun to watch, and you know, it's been a it's been a pretty cool story. It's good to see teams like the Knicks and Bulls back, um, you know, in the playoff mix in the East. It's made for uh, it's made for a fun start. I got two points hey. on the Bulls, Brian. One, uh, certainly credit to the team building and Billy Donovan's offensive schemes. The fact that they have five players averaging between three point six assists and four point five assists. So you got wow. Caruso, Ball, Vucevic. Levine and DeRozan, which, which yep. means that it's harder to scout. You don't know where the initiation is going to come from. It also suggests that they're playing unselfish basketball, which teams that have that characteristic generally do better than teams that don't. Yep. Uh, beyond that, Tim, I have to call you out. My second point is that you can't say that, well, the Lakers should be spending more on Caruso and then say the Bulls spent too much on DeRozan. You gotta, if you're going to spend the Lakers money, spend the Bulls money too. Well, I was more, I mean, sure. I mean, I was just in a vacuum. The Bulls paid DeMar $28 million a year when he didn't have a market. I mean, he was going to meet right. with the Clippers who had the mid-level. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. that's more what I was saying. And they also ended up giving up Thad Young, who's a, a pretty good player and a first in a sign and trade to get him. So, uh, well, I mean, if again. I'm a Bulls fan, if I'm a Bulls fan, I want them to spend <laughs> on DeRozan. Yeah, I, I yes, I I mean, sure. Okay, we can we can continue to, to carry water for the Lakers and say that they're not cheap. We can do that too, if you want. I mean, no, I'm like, just, 
I just enjoy pointing out hypocrisy. It's one of my minor joys in life. Well, the, well, okay. I mean, I mean, we could go around and around, but the Bulls didn't. I mean, the Bulls lost out on Thad Young, I guess, but they didn't lose out on anything by making the Demar trade. I just didn't like the price that they paid for it. You know, just like McMahon didn't like the price they paid for the Nick Vucevic trade. But look, ultimately, they look like a damn good team, and if they finish, you know, top four or top five in the East this year, and they make the second round of the playoffs. I don't think any fans are going to be worried about picks in 2026. So, so Dave and I worked together on a story that came out yesterday about how um, players in the league are scouring the, the secondary market and asking all of their friends and even some of their uh, other players in the league trying to get Kobe's uh, because they, the Kobe Bryant estate and uh, Nike parted ways earlier this year and they're not making any more of them and Kobe's shoes are, far and away the most popular NBA shoes. And DeMar DeRozan has been wearing Kobe since they came out. And he's got a big stockpile with them. Anyway, I talked to him for the story. And I, while I was talking to him about it, I was talking to him about Chicago. And he just told me how happy he is. He's just like, of course, he's, they're winning and everything. But he's just really, really happy. And, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. But when he got traded to San Antonio, I just that wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to be in Toronto playing alongside Kyle Lowry in middle of his career, he got derailed. And, um, you know, he, he really kind of was interested in coming back home to LA and it didn't work out. The Lakers and Clippers didn't have room for him. And so he took the best offer that he could. And, but he's just really, really happy. And I think that's a, a really a big key com- a component, you know, of him playing well. And the other thing I'm going to say is, is that I don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving, but the two of the biggest contenders in the East are, are East are less than, they're just less than they thought they were going to be. And somebody is going to benefit from that. And maybe that's Boston, although Boston is derailed. Maybe that's Miami. Uh, maybe that's Milwaukee, who is going to be like, okay, well, if the Nets don't want to get their act together, we'll come in and take another East title from you. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. But right now, if you're Chicago, not only are you playing really well, where you thought you were at the start of the season, when, you, when the summer ended, and where you are now, as you look at those other contenders, you have to be saying, you know what? This could work out for us. If we keep this together, this could work out for us. Um, well, and I think that that is a relevant thing right now as well. No question. And, and by the way, we've talked, you, you talked about that play a little bit earlier, but Lonzo Ball has been a perfect fit for them. And if you look at the absolute nuclear waste dump that is the New Orleans Pelicans right now, the mm-hmm. idea that they chose actively chose not to keep Lonzo Ball also there um, not looking so hot at the moment because he has been I mean, an awesome fit. And when you talk Dave about that ball movement in Chicago and all those guys sharing the ball, it's not a coincidence that Alonzo ball team is doing that. He's one of those guys that gets other guys involved and moves the ball and kind of uh, creates that sort of environment. And he, he's been great for them. And credit I know to the him, public- you know, just yeah. quick, Brian, he's just gotten so much better in his time in the league. I covered him in LA that Lakers team, the first year LeBron was in LA, like they couldn't hit open threes. Uh, that that's what plagued them beyond the injuries. And you know, Lonzo's shooting like forty four percent from three this year, and taking a bunch of them it's on high volume. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really remarkable. And he's completely transformed his body. Uh, he's a sturdy guard out there uh, with still the ability to fly up and down. Um, I really like the player he's become. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The Pelicans are one. Seven attempts a game, 44.7% from three for Lonzo. 
tremendous. Pretty damn good. The Pelicans are one and eleven because Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are out. That is why they are one and eleven. But having said that, when you think about this team and standing alone, they made their decisions, whatever. But they 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 said goodbye to Lonzo. From what I understand, Lonzo was willing to resign. I mean, he was he was restricted anyway. You could have controlled it, mm-hmm. and Zion wanted him there. But the decision to let Lonzo go. And the decision to trade Drew Holiday, because I, I still come back to that. Like, I, I guess they didn't want to pay him the max. And I guess they were worried about his, his injury history. He also and was like, a year from free agency. I mean, he could have also left too. Well, they could have extended him. Right. I just mean, he would also have to agree to be extended. The Lonzo situation, he's restricted and he was just going to be there one way or the other if they wanted. True. But I'm just saying like they had Drew Holiday. Yep. They, they had Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. And, you know. That's hard right now, man. That that that's hard. That that's a hard thing because they're out there looking for players like Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. And like you know, if David Griffin was here, he could he could go through his his case for why he traded Drew Holiday. And I'm not saying it would be a bad case. I just know they were there. They had those two players, and now they don't, and they don't have replacements for them. And you know, talking about being fans, <laughs> if you're a, if you're a Pelicans fan right now you, you got to feel sick to your stomach because it's not a lost season yet. You can't have a lost season in November, but I can pretty see close. the loss. It's pretty, it's pretty loss. close, man. I, it's pretty I can close. See it on the, I can see it on the horizon. I can see it on the horizon. It's hard right, to come you, back from one and 11. Are you suggesting that they had the answers to the point guard test? And then, <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, Jake, Jake Fisher from the Bleacher Report reported today about an altercation uh, it was not it was a it was a verbal altercation Correct. That, a spat. Uh, that, that alvin gentry and uh david griffin alvin gentry who's now uh the lead assistant of the kings had with um it was the first week of the season uh maybe the second week of the season a couple of weeks ago uh the kings were in town and um but anyway, I, I, I know about it. You know, I didn't report it, but Jake reported first, so he gets the credit. Um, but what you're referring to, Dave, is what this spat was based on, which was at the beginning of the season, there was a story in uh, the New Orleans paper, NOLA.com, the New Orleans Times picking in um, by Christian Clark wrote the story. And it wasn't a quote that Griff gave, but um, Christian reported that that's what Griff said, that he gave Alvin, the answers to the test, and he still couldn't pass the test. And that was led to his firing after one year under Griff. And as you can imagine, that comment did not make Alvin happy. And um, so when they came across each other in the hallway after the game, uh, and the thing about the setup in New Orleans is the way that the visiting team leaves the building, or the way that the, the home team leaves the building, the way the, the Pelicans players leave to go to the parking lot, you go right past the visitor's locker room. So like, <laughs> you know, the other night in, uh, in Denver, you know, one of, the re- one of the reasons I heard that the Heat didn't want to talk to the media, which is ridiculous, but one of the reasons I heard the Heat decided to keep their players from talking to the media was to get to the media room. They had to walk past the Nuggets locker room area and they just weren't sure what was going to happen. So they made an educated, they made an educated risk, even though they were going to get maybe sanctions from the league and ripped and all that stuff to not let their players walk past the Nuggets locker room. So anyway, in New Orleans, you got to walk past the visitors locker room. That's where Griff and Alvin saw each other. They didn't go looking for each other, but apparently in, from what I am told in the conversation, one of the things that Alvin said to Griff was, did you give Stan Van Gundy the answers too? Because we also we had we had the exact same record. Right. So uh, I don't think Alvin liked that possible quote, which Griff, again, I don't I don't I don't necessarily think he says he said it. It was I don't you know I think he denies that he said it, but whatever. Um, uh, they didn't have to call security or anything, but I'll bet I would I'll bet it was interesting to watch that happen. Uh, because obviously Alvin was upset that he got fired as the coach there. So um, to, but- to circle to circle back to the Bulls quick, because some news just came out. Uh, Nick Vucevic is in the health and safety protocols per our uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, which is uh, going to make uh-oh. their West Coast trip a little tougher. Uh, 
because they don't have a yeah, lot but of that, depth that's behind not him. What I'm, that's not what I'm thinking. I mean, yes, of course, but... Well, there also could be others, like we've seen in Philadelphia, where they've well, been several people. Was, was he not guarding Embiid the other night? Uh, oh, true. Yes, that was a while ago, but yeah, a few days ago, but yes, that's true. Well, On Saturday. Was it, so today the Thursday. The, Yes, that's true. The The second part of that, because uh, I remembered something uh, when Dave mentioned the DeRozan comment about paying him uh, two things on that uh, one. No, because I, I actually okay. legitimately just thought about it. No, okay, all all right. <laughs> okay. uh, the, when the Bulls made the Lowry market in sign and trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers, mm-hmm. a third team got involved and Larry Nance wound up on the mm-hmm. Portland Trailblazers. Right. Uh, a Larry Nance is really good. B Larry Nance could be the starting center for the Bulls now and C. The Bulls did not, uh, I believe, want Larry Nance in that trade. Uh, I think there might have been some questions about fit. Who knows? But I think in part, it's because he is owed $10 million next year, and that would have put the Bulls in the luxury I, tax. I, I was told that exactly, in fact. And they, they, they in, were willing to help out Lowry in a sign and trade, but they did not want to take on – they got a first-round pick for it. They did not want to take on money for next year. That's right. And uh, – Larry Nance would have been an awesome fit for the Bulls and is a very good player. And uh, the Bulls print money. And so, uh, you know, so, we're talking so about we're the Lakers. The we're, too. All right. Well, we're talking about the Lakers. I mean, we're talking about the Lakers paying an extra $30 million on Alex Caruso. We're talking about the Bulls, like being in the tax at all to have Larry Nance on their team. So well, when you've traded every pick from here to kingdom come. You probably should want a good player on a good contract. Especially with Patrick so, Williams getting hurt. Yes. There would have been there was a, a huge piece for them. There was a 10 part documentary that one of the central aspects of it was the Bulls not willing to spend money. And that was, <laughs> and that was 30 years ago. And it's not gotten any better. Trust me. Uh, yes. The Bulls so just to your remain. point about the Bulls, Dave, I, 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 okay. I honestly remember that in the middle and wanted to uh, circle back to it. There you go. Appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Um, thank you to Dave. Dave, I don't know. Maybe, Mc, maybe McMahon lost his slot here. I mean, you know, sub him in. Mc, Wally <laughs> you know, Pip on here once every three four Wally, weeks. You know, Wally I'll, Pip. I'll come in here. You know, I'm, uh, yeah, but you got to be on with Bond Temps. Is my point. I mean, oh, I'll I have think... you on, but it it does <laughs> help. You know, that is that is the chemistry piece right there. So let's do it. Uh, all right, I get to see for... Dave next week. I'm very excited. I haven't seen yes, him in sir. quite a while since I, uh, I, since the finals. Just, It'll be fun. I just saw Dave this week for the first time in 18 months. So Tim, we we doing back. dinner at your place or out in the restaurant? We figure that out yet. I uh, got to figure it out. We've okay. got to see, okay. got to see what, uh, got to see what's happening, but we'll have, right. we're going to have dinner for sure. It's going to be great. Good deal. All right. All right. Thanks. They're, they're buddies. Don't worry about it, guys. Uh, thanks for the collective podcast. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.